Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing good? Ready to rock and roll this morning? Awesome. Well, we're glad that you came. And uh, if this is your first time here again, just what we want to reiterate, you belong here. We, we're so glad that you came. And, uh, you know, this is a safe place for you to grow in your walk with God. And it's a place for you to connect with other believers of like precious faith. I mean, just look around for a moment. It's good to see people that believe the same way. You're not just, a, you're not just, you're not crazy. You got other people in this room that are crazy with you. So that's a good place to be. I'm so glad that we did that. And just my, my wonderful daughter wants to say good morning. Did you just want to say hello real quick? Hello, everyone. Let's see out. We're going to just do that. Just going to make sure everything's clear. We're all clear here. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, hey do you see there? Yes, hey, there we are. Did you want to say Jesus loves you? No? Did you want to say hi? Did you want to say hi or blow a kiss or something? Something real sweet? Oh, she just, do you want to say hi? No, we'll do, we'll, do, we'll do that later. Oh, and let's just keep me buttoned up. This is an interesting morning. Picking noses and shirts are coming off. It's, it's going to be a good Sunday. I, I promise you that. It's going to be good. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're so glad again that you came. And this morning we're continuing our series called Backwards. And I mean, oh, that this is this is something I'm, I'm excited about. Of course, I'm always excited. But... Uh, I come with just great expectation as we go into this because I know what the Lord is, is doing in us. I know what He's wanting to say to the church. And so we're going to just jump right into it. Is that okay with everyone? Awesome. Let's go to our Bibles, John 17. Let's turn there. I want to just take about five minutes just to kind of reiterate what we talked a little bit about last week, just so we're all on the same page before we jump forward on this. But, you know, uh, the Lord the Lord gave us this year is dig deep. And I want to just encourage you and remind you again that success, you don't always have to look on the natural side of things or in the external to see if things are growing or things are taking place in your own life or even in the church life. Things are happening, people are growing, and it actually starts on the inside. You know, a lot of times people, they, they are looking for the super, they're looking for the spectacular, and they're missing the supernatural. Man, God growing people on the inside is a big deal, and that's where growth takes place. So never forget that God works from the inside out, not the outside in. Everything happens and it begins on the inside. And so what you're doing this morning, you're positioning yourself for growth, for change, for success, for lack of a better word, from the inside out. Why? Because we're going to the Word of God. There's nothing better than you can do than going to what the Bible's got to say. We're all cool with that? Uh, we like the Bible in this place? Or we, we're, we're, we, we're we love the Holy Spirit in this place? Okay. Oh, man, come on. We got, sorry, I got, I got you a little fired up when I said that. All right, let's go. So John 17, let's, let's lay this out. And we'll jump into this. Verse 14, and this is picking up right in the middle of Jesus' prayer before he goes to the cross. But he says these words. He said, I have given them, talking about his disciples, I have given them your message, and that is why the unbelieving world hates them. Don't be surprised that the unbelieving world hates the Christian. We shouldn't be surprised by that. Why? It's because of a message that you and I live by, you and a, a message that we've heard, and now becomes the standard for our living. Right? That's why the world hates you. Right? And if the world, this, this is a good thing to recognize, if the world loves you, it's because you look like them. If the world hates you to some degree, it's because you look like him. So if they're talking bad about you, don't be bad about it. Just join the club and go, hey, I'm in good company because they talk bad about Jesus. Now, it's not like we on purpose try to, you know, you know, pee off the world. We're not trying to do that, right? People sometimes intentionally say, well, they're the world, so I'm going to just stick it to them so that they know. That's not what it is. We still walk in love, but we don't change the message that we heard and live by. Okay, uh, thank you, Mr. Donovan. That's, that's it. That, that was right there worth combing your hair and coming to church. It's right there this morning. Yeah, that's, that's it. So he goes on to say, their allegiance. Where is your allegiance? It's with him. Their allegiance is no longer to this world because, Jesus said, I'm no longer of this world. Verse, continue on. I'm not asking you that you remove them from this world. And I, I love that he just says these words. If you think about it, Jesus is not like he's not this, this father. we got a father up in heaven that's so concerned and worried about his children. Did you know that his church, you and I, are anointed? We are called to live behind enemy lines. There's a grace on us to be here. This is the most dangerous place in the universe is planet Earth. But there's an anointing, there's a grace on us, there's a covering over us that the evil one cannot get to us. Right? It's because we're walking in unison with him. Right? This, this is what he prayed. He said, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but I'm asking you that you would guard their hearts from the evil one. 
Woo, man, I'm thankful, man. So where you are today, know this, that no darkness can ever come in and overtake what you've got. Amen, let's go on. For they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Next. Your word is what? Truth. And he said, so make them holy. What does that mean? Separate. Separate them. How is he going to separate them? By the truth, by his word. So what separates you and I from the, the unbelieving world, or a lot of times what even separates you and I from other believers is the word. Just because somebody slaps a Jesus fish on the back of their car does not make them a Christian, right? Oh, I'm set apart from all the other cars out there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> they may have that cute little Jesus fish, but we're talking about your lifestyle, talking about living. He says, your word is truth, so make them holy by your truth. Next, verse 18, I love this word. So I have commissioned them to represent me. Now, what's your primary call on this earth again? It's to represent who? Him. I'm here on this earth. You are here in Red Deer. We are here as a church body in Red Deer, in this region, to represent Jesus. Just And he says, just as you, Father, you commissioned me to represent you. Now look at 2 Corinthians 5.20. Paul says this, we are ambassadors of who? Oh, the anointed one. We are an ambassador of the anointed one who carry, what are we carrying? A message. We are carrying a message of Christ to this world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to Him. This is what, you know, I just think it's amazing that God Himself, the, the King of the universe, the God of all gods, is in heaven and He's decided to appeal to men through the lips that are on your face. This is how God's going to reach the world. It's through this right here. So now if I'm an ambassador or a representative of the Lord Jesus, I need to enter in this lifelong journey of learning how he thinks, learning how to properly represent him on this earth. Right? If I'm here representing him, I ought to know how he thinks. I got to know what he's saying. I got to know how he lives so I can bring it to this earth so that when people ask questions about him, not only can I tell them, but I can show it at the same time. Right? This is what we're here for is to represent him. So again, now we've entered this lifelong journey. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 talks about the renewing of our mind. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Why? Because this world doesn't know how to live. We read that last week. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 in the Message Bible. It says, you let first, when we were all sinners, we were all stuck in that old lifestyle. We let the world tell us how to live and they don't know a thing about living. They don't know how it do it. They, don't, they have no idea what living's really like. Except who's the only one that does? It's Jesus. He knows how to live, and so he came and he gave us his word so we can see how to properly live on this earth. Aren't you thankful for the word? Man, I am. So now, we are taking time to see how he thinks, taking time to see how he thinks, how he acts, so that we can properly represent him here on this earth. And this is what this whole series backwards is, is we're taking time to hear what God has to say, taking time what God is like, and then carrying forth in our everyday life. Right? So we're not interested in just hearing and being a good Christian. We want to be what Jesus is. Amen? Okay, let's continue on here then for a moment. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1. And I'm going to read this to you. And then what I'm going to do is I actually want to break this down because I, I was spending a lot of time meditating on these verses this week. And I want to just read it to you. And then we're going to just break it down verse by verse just to really feel the heartbeat of what John is saying. So this is the Apostle John, and he wrote 1 John, 1, 2, 3 John. And here he is, he's an older man now, and he's writing these words, and they are, they're filled with, there's so much life and light in these words. And he kicks off by saying, we saw him. Who's him? Jesus. We saw Jesus with our very own eyes. We gazed upon him, and we heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him. Right? Remember, remember in, uh, you know, in junior high or elementary? Well, guys, remember when that, that girl that you had a crush on, she touched your hand? Oh, she touched me. I remember. Do you remember that? No? You're just not saying anything because your wife is next to you. I, I get it. I, you're smart. I, I get you. I get you. But the Apostle John is this like, our hands actually touched him. We touched him. Like this is, not, this is not a little thing to him. This is a huge deal. We actually touched him. Who is this him? The one who was from the beginning. Not talking about just, just, just their existence. Not just the creation, Genesis 1.1. He was there from the beginning before there was a beginning. He said, we actually touched that guy. The living expression of God. Verse 2 says, this life giver 
was made visible and we have seen him. We testify to this truth. The eternal life giver lived face to face with the Father and has now dawned upon us. Oh man, it's amazing. And he goes on, verse 3. So we proclaim to you. Now notice this. This is why he's writing this book. We proclaim to you what we have seen, what we have heard about this life giver so that you, say that, so that me, I guess that's proper English, so that I, (laughs) I did decent in English, right, decent, so that I may share and enjoy this life. So what's the whole purpose behind his writings? Is so that you can see the fullness of life, the fullness of everything that God came to give you in joy. It's in relationship with him. This is life's, this is life's bliss. Is right here. He goes on, For truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus, the Anointed One. Go to the next verse. We are writing these things to you because we want to release to you our fullness of joy. So let me just break this down real quickly again. The apostles' first-hand experience of this living expression, it was actually made visible to him. And now he was led by the Spirit of God to take this message, this life-giving message, so that you and I could enjoy this life. I I just think that's big that he wrote these words down so that you could enjoy life. Living is not how much money you got in the bank account. It's not about how much square footage you got, the nicest car that you got. Thank God all these things are added benefits and they're nice to have. But it is not the bliss or the joy that everybody's looking for. Because what happens when you get that Dodge Charger and you're like, oh yeah, this is the real deal. And then you throw car seats in the back and you go, okay, not as cool. Then you tint the windows and go, okay, cool again. In about three weeks, now I want a different car. Your flesh always wants something else. You can't find happiness in stuff. This is absolute truth. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody threw car seats in the back of their vehicle and all of a sudden went, oh, it's not as cool anymore. Yeah. And then not only that, they all of a sudden spilled all their goldfish and now they're cracked everywhere. Lord help me. Like, honestly, how hard is it just to keep some fishies in a bag? Is it, is it hard? To a degree. I, it must be because... Uh, uh, anyways, I'm fine. My car's not, but I'm fine. And then every once in a while, your wife says, oh, why don't you take my van? That doesn't help. Uh, uh, just so everyone knows, just I don't know what you think about me, but I used to be really cool. <laughs> in high school, I tell you, people thought, man, I want to be like that guy. And all of a sudden, I got a van. It's like, anybody want to be like this? I'm not, I'm not just not feeling the love anymore. So I'm working on myself. I'm doing okay. And I'm finding out that true joy is not in driving a minivan, even with a DVD player in it. There's, there's more to this life. What is it? It's true fellowship with God. It's a relationship with Him. Now, let me just break this down a little bit further. Now, the purpose of Jesus coming, people would have different answers, but let me just give you the two primary reasons why Jesus came. Number one is so that you might be saved. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 10, I came to seek and save those who were lost. How many are thankful that he came to do that? Man, I'm absolutely grateful. But it doesn't stop there. The next aspect of now that I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, now he wants you and I to enter into fellowship with him. Everybody say that with me. Fellowship with Him. And I know you've heard all this before, but let me just give you the Greek definitions. There's three words that define the Greek word for fellowship, which is koinonia, and it's these three words. Number one is this. It is um, partnership. Everybody say with me. Partnership. The same way that my wife and I, we are partners together in raising our family. Jamie is not just responsible for raising our kids. I'm not just responsible for raising our kids. It's us together as a team, as a partnership to do this life with them and to bring them and to train them, right? We're in this together. Well, Jesus wants to have a partnership with you so that not only we just saying, oh, I'm a Christian, I believe in God. Thank God you believe in God, but guess what? So does the devil. But James says that he believes in God too. Yeah, nothing doesn't work for him. So here's the thing. It's not just about believing in God. Thank God for it. Now it's talking and moving to our relationship to a working partnership with one another so that when he moves, I move. When he says, I say. When he reveals, I do. It's working together. Imagine for a moment, we read all last week, Hebrews chapter 11, we talked about the heroes of faith. We talked about Abraham. We talked about Moses. We talked about Noah. Imagine for a sec if Noah just believed in God but didn't enter into partnership with him. How would that look for the flood? 
And people kind of think, oh, just because he believed in God. It was more than him just believing in God. It was an actual relationship. It was a partnership that they had. No one knew what God wanted to do in his generation. What was it? Flood the earth. And nobody else knew it. Here's another crazy, even another thought. Just think about it for a sec. Abraham. Abraham didn't just believe in God. He was a partner with God. Remember, for example, when uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were about to get lit up? Right? Remember that? Now, who lived in Sodom at that time? Lot. Did Lot believe in God? Yeah, he did. He had no idea that he was moments away to being blown off the planet. No idea. Yet he was a believer in God. Why? Because he grew up in Abraham's household. So what are we got to move beyond just this, I believe in God, to now a working partnership with him to accomplish what he needs in this region. It's not going to just randomly and accidentally happen. He needs intentional partnership with you and I to accomplish what he wants to do. This is where the people have, oh, God is sovereign. Yeah, he's sovereign, and in his sovereignty, he gave you and I complete authority on this earth. God can't just come in and do whatever he wants to do in this earth. He can't. He needs a man. He needs a woman that will say, Lord, I'll partner with you. And I don't know about you, but that's the desire of my heart, and that's what this church is for, is partnering with him. I'm not okay just playing church. Anybody want to play church? Okay, about 40 of us. All right, the rest of you. We'll figure. And what I mean by playing church is just checking it off. Okay, I, I sang my song, right? I harmonized with Mac when he first started. I told him that. I was like, when he started that off, I was on the same pitch as him. So I was like, what was wrong with that? I, I thought that was great. Dude, <laughs> what is everybody laughing at? This is how I sing. <clears throat> no, I'm okay. Um, do I sound squeaky? No, I'm okay. All right. But we're entering a partnership with him. And this is what this church is here for. We've, des- we've just said, Lord, this church, we want to partner with you, not just be believers in you and kind of go through life. We want to work together with God for what he needs in this region. But I believe that with all my heart. And that's why you're here. Right? Okay, the next part of the word koinonia for fellowship. Number one, as we said, is partnership. Secondly, it's to be, become a partaker of his life. Just because you believe in God does not mean that you're going to experience days of heaven on this earth. You're saved. Thank God you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. But Jesus paid too big of a price for you just to experience him when you get to heaven when you die. Right? He came so that you may enjoy life now. He came so that you could enjoy the supernatural, the life that he came to give you, the peace, the joy that's all-encompassing in who he is, and it's because of this partnership. And then thirdly, is the walking alongside with. He wants to do life with you. And if you think about that, man, that just, that's really what turned me on to God, is that He wants to do life with me. He's not interested in what just happens to me or where I go when I die. Yeah, that's all included. But more importantly, He wants to be involved in every detail of my life. He cared about the woman that I was going to marry. He cared about the family I was going to have. He cared about even what car I was going to drive. He's all, he's all around in all this, Right? So let me continue on. This is why John wrote this letter, right? So he's trying to stir up. He's trying to, you know, kind of give you a little taste of how good life could be. Yeah, you believe in God, but he said, man, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus. There's so much more to this. Okay, look at verse 5. Okay, this is the life-giving message we heard him share. Now, not just in Jesus' words, but also in his life. So this is what we saw him do and is still ringing in our ears. We now repeat his words to you. Can we read that line together? God is pure light. So who is God? Pure light. And then the next part, it says, you will never find even a trace of darkness in him. So what does that mean? There is not a sickness in God. There's not even a sniffle in God. God doesn't put anything on anyone. God has never sent a tornado. God has never sent a famine. God has never sent a flood. How, how do you know that? Well, the, you know, the government, they call it acts of God. They're wrong. Because the Bible says God is pure light. And in him, you can't even find a trace of darkness at all. God doesn't need the devil to help him, people to submit. You mean you heard people, oh yeah, God gave me this cancer so that I'd get closer to him. That, 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 thank God you got closer to him, but you could do that cancer free. God doesn't need to put you on a bed and all of a sudden to draw close to you. The God doesn't need the devil to do any of his dirty work for him. Do you know what the God uses the devil for? A footstool. 
That's the only thing in the Bible that you see that God uses the enemy for. It says God uses the devil as a footstool. So what do we ought to use him for? A footstool. He belongs, that sucker, under my feet. Okay. God is light. You'll find pure, pure light. So now go verse 6. Now here, is, let's go into this. If we claim that we share life with him, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves. And who's the biggest fool on the block? Is the person that fools himself. They're fooling themselves and not living in the truth. The next one. It says, if, or, but if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. So now let's just take a time. I want to break this down again. What is the message? What did Jesus come to reveal to mankind? Is that God is pure light. Is who he is. In him, there is no darkness at all. There is no divorce in God. There's no bad relationship in God. God is not about that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. It's not who he is. This is a message that even the church still has to sometimes get to their brain. God is light, pure light. Okay? Next, he goes on to say this. God and the believer, they enjoy fellowship. And every time I say that word fellowship, I want you to think partnership. Okay? Partnership. Right? The same way a husband and wife. We're partners in this life together. So any time that the believer and God enjoy fellowship, it is on the basis of walking in the light of God. Meaning God is not going to jump ship from where he is to come into your darkness and try figuring things out from that perspective. Why? Because he is pure light. So he's always going to pull us in his direction. Right? Are we okay with that? You see that? Okay. The next line is this. Fellowship is maintained with God as we continue walking in the light as he reveals it to us. You are only supposed to be walking in the light that God reveals to you. You're not supposed to be walking in the light that I have. Why? Because we've got different relationships with Him. Right? It's ultimately the same truth. But some people are here. Some people are there. Some people are here. It's whatever light He's revealed it to you. If I want to walk in greater light, I walk in the light that I have. Right? Okay. So what is spiritual... You guys go back to verse 6 for a moment with me. Verse 6 says, So what is spiritual darkness then? Is it possible that a born-again believer, a Christian, can walk in spiritual darkness? Yes, from here it is. So what is spiritual darkness? Is, is that person, it's not like that the person, when they die, they go to hell. Not at all. You are born again. You are a child of God. Spiritual darkness in regards to the, what John is talking about is you are ignorant of God and His ways. So we're fooling ourselves when we say, I share the life of God, yet my life is experiencing death in some area. He says you're fooling yourself. You're saying, oh yeah, I know God. Meanwhile, you're experiencing confusion. You're experiencing bitterness. You're experiencing, you know, whatever it may be. Mental, mental health stuff. You know, anxiety. That is all form of death. And God is not putting anxiety on anybody. He doesn't have it. You don't see God, oh, 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 i got to pass this down. Oh, 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 oh. God is not freaking out. That's not who He is. So if we say we're walking with Him, Yet we got freak-out sessions. It says we're fooling ourselves, right? And it's nothing, you're not like you're a bad person. It's now just go, I'm ignorant of God and His ways. So the good news is, is God's here to reveal His ways to us. That's good news. That we can see how God operates and start going the way that He wants us to live. I'm so glad we're excited about that this morning. This is huge. I mean, I was excited prepping for this. So, okay, we'll go on. Now, here's the thing. God never walks away. God has always been in the light. He, he never leaves, right? So sometimes what happens in our lives when things aren't going the, the way that we like it, we tend to backslide. That's what backsliding is, is you tend to back off a little bit. You tend to back off a little bit. Before you know it, you're kind of in this spiritual darkness. God never left. So it requires me a turning to Him again, right? We'll get into that in a sec. So again, as I said, don't fooling, fool yourself. Fooling yourself is when you say, I'm in fellowship with Him, yet in my life, I'm experiencing darkness and death to some degree in my life. That is not the will of God. You know those secret things that you haven't told anybody? Why? Because there's maybe shame or guilt or condemnation that come with those thoughts. That is not given by God. He doesn't give shame. He's not into condemnation. He is about truth. So this brings me to my next point. 
To walk in light with him, it requires being open. It requires being transparent. It requires being honest. Can we say that again? Let me just read those words. Open, transparent, honest. If I want to walk in the light as he is in the light, I'm going to have to be brutally honest with myself. I'm going to have to be brutally honest with the Lord and give him access to speak changes or speak where there may be areas of darkness in my life. Does he have access to those points? You know, some words that we would say it is, does God have a safe harbor with you? There's something that I'm still working on in our marriage is that for Jamie and I, there's some things that she would say something and I didn't like how she said it. I didn't like what she said. So what do you do? You tend to snap, right? I didn't take my chill pill this morning. I, I freaked out a little bit. So what do I need to do? I didn't give her a safe harbor to bring some of those concerns. Well, the same way, all of a sudden, God starts touching some things on your life. God, why do you bring that up? No, God, I don't want to talk about that. Does he have a safe harbor where he can come into your life and say, this area right here, I, I want this change. Why don't you come over to the light and see it from my perspective? Does he have a safe place to pull on that? Because again, if we want to walk and partner with him, this is the next level. Can, can we all see that? Because we got a lot of people say, oh yeah, I, I love Jesus. I'm a Jesus follower. Yet they're not living and experiencing life that he came to give them. Why? Because they're not being transparent. They're not being open and honest. This is, I have a white chair at home that I constantly meet the Lord in. And I say, okay, Lord, this is the place. Is there any area in my life that needs changing? Is there any area in my life that you need to tap on a little bit? And I'm going to share with one of those with you again this morning. How I many you know I'm not perfect? I still need a white chair for today. I'm going to need one until the day that I die. That white chair is going to have my butt on there for a long time. Right? We'll get to that in a sec. But this is what it is to walk in the light. Right? Now here's the next thing that I want to bring, make mention. Freedom from sin is a phrase that you see in 1 John 17 times. Freedom from sin. Okay, now let me bring this out. That freedom from sin is equated to walking in the pure light of God, not simply having a fleshly struggle, but a desire to walk in fellowship with God in His light. So let me break that down a little bit further to you. It is not a sin problem that you have. It's a desire problem. So many times we think, okay, if I could just stop this sin, if I could just get this off of my life, forget about that. You are not strong enough to defeat sin on your own. You can't. Jesus already freed us from it. He took care of this sin. Yes, we know that. But there may be areas in my life that I'm continually seeing death or I'm continually seeing sin in my life. It's not the sin issue. It's a passion or a desire issue. So the question you have to ask yourself is this. Do I want to be in close partnership with God more than I want this sin? Ask yourself that question. The next time that temptation comes at you and you're feeling tempted to go that way, this is a good question to ask yourself. Do I want partnership with Him more than I want this? But if I tend to go down this line, this is where John says, don't fool yourself. If you tend to go down that way, it's because you want that more than you want Him. Might as well own up to it. My, rather than just paving the dark, oh, I have a problem. The problem is the sin problem. That's, that's there, right? I'm not saying that we don't, there's no, no sin. I'm saying the desire to be in partnership with God is not as high as committing my own, doing things my own way, having my own thought about it, or, or continually going down this same sin path continually week after week. God, take this away. He ain't taking nothing away. He already did it. So what is he trying to do? Come out of darkness. Come into light. Come, let me show you my way. You got to be open. You got to be transparent. You got to be vulnerable to let the Lord in and potentially even a brother or sister in Christ that you can trust. It's vital. You can ask these people that are going through freedom session. It is the most strengthening thing is that when you share something that you'd never tell anybody because the devil wants you to play in the dark areas. That's where he wants you to linger. He wants you to hang out. But the moment you expose something in light, power of darkness is completely gone. Darkness has no longer a say on it anymore. Why? Because you've exposed it. This is what even Ephesians chapter 5, you hear that in the Bible. Let's continually expose sin. Expose darkness for what it is. Why? Because when it's in the light, now I can deal with it. Right? I'm not putting on a mask in front of God anymore. Right? There have been times I've been putting on a mask and, oh, Lord, I praise you. Meanwhile, I'm mad. I'm ticked off. I'm God, where, where is it? Why am I not seeing things happening in my life? It's because i got to remove the veil. Take the mask off and say, Lord, here I am. He still loves you. That will never change. 
His desire is to get you out and to put you in where he wants you to be in his life. Amen. We, all, we can all see that? Okay. Now let's continue on here. Hosea 4.6. Uh, ignorance is not bliss. When you to not know God's ways is not helping anybody. So just the best thing to do, you know, God said this, my people. Let me say my people. So whose people? God's people. This is God's children, his people, his born again children that are part of his family. They're being destroyed. How? The New Living says because they don't know me. Other translations say for a lack of knowledge. If you really study it out, they don't know him. They don't know his ways. Because how many of you know God? Here we can all say, oh, I, I know God to a degree. But you can, you can walk down the street somewhere downtown and say, oh, do you know God? Oh, yeah, I know God. And they'll give you a whole definition of God. How do we actually know God is by what he said in his word. All right? So this is what God said, but my people are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So what I want to share just real briefly with everyone this morning is one area of coming out of darkness and going into light. It's important what you focus on. What's going on in your brain? So let's go here. Uh, first, Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. Everybody do so doing okay? We're, we're all on the same page. Before I jump in and just I want to share kind of a little experience that I had a couple weeks ago because Joel was not a happy camper. And uh, that needed to change real quick. Not so much happy camper. I was disappointed. Anybody ever been disappointed? Anybody been a little frustrated before? Anybody had expectations that didn't, you know, come out the way you expected it to? Yeah, a whole lot of that just all in one big bang. And uh, that was my white chair experience a few weeks ago. And, uh, but let me just read this part to you here. And again, what I want to just share with you is just talking about focus. So this is, again, the very foundation before we jump into more things. But right here, it says, We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel will not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. So what, what's that talking about? Exodus 33, 34. Moses went up to Mount Sinai to go be with God. And Moses had already smashed the first set of Ten Commandments because he was so ticked off at the Israelites for making a golden calf, right? You remember that? Right? So he went back up on the mountain. And he was there with God for 40 days. And in that time, God revealed to him how to build the tabernacle, how, to, you know, how, the, how the sacrifices are going to go. He rewrote the Ten Commandments and all of this stuff. Moses was there for 40 days. And after 40 days, he comes down from the mountain to reveal to the people what God had spoken to him. As he's coming down now, his face, he did, it says the Bible says, Moses didn't realize the glow, the radiance that was all around him. As he walked in to see the multitudes, they all, they freaked out at him. Ah, Moses, what's wrong with you? You're like a highlighter. What's, what's going on? Just completely glowing. Like, oh, like, man. And so what they do, we can't see you, Moses. We, we don't even want to look on this. So they had to put a veil over his face so that he would talk to the people like this so that they wouldn't freak out. Hey, how are you doing? You're doing well? Okay, this is what God said. And as, when he would go be with God, the veil would be taken away again. But every time he would talk to people, that veil would be there. So this is what he's talking about. So verse 14, continuing on. It says, But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, that same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. This is a big problem. Understand the truth of what? Truth of God and His ways. This self-righteousness thing, even to this day, it's not just for the Israelites. It's for unbelievers. What do you hear? How do you know you're going to heaven? Oh, I'm a good person. The blinder is there. You're thinking it's about your works. Sadly, some Christians have this blinder on. They're thinking, well, it's oh, got to be about my works. Got to take that off. I'll just, we'll see that in a sec. And this veil to take off so you can see God and His ways can be removed only. Everybody say only. By what? By believing in Christ. Now, how many of you believe in Christ? Woo, guess what happened? The veil has been taken off. You can now see God and you can know His ways. That's awesome. It's not just for a select few. Anyone that turns to Christ, guess what? The veil is lifted off. God becomes clear. His ways become clear. It's all in His Word that you got to go and hunt after it. It's not like He's just going to give them to you. you got to go after it. That's what partnership does. I wanted to be a partner with my wife, so what did I do? I went after that girl, and I hunted her down. I put on all my best moves. I told her, I said, let me be your Boaz. Do you need a prayer partner? 
All these types of things. Man, I just, I feel I'm just messing with you. Corny, I know, I'm a dad of three. I, I get it. Corny jokes, I got you. But I did say that once to wonder one time. I was like, hey, we should pray together. And guess what? It worked. <laughs> so, all you single guys out there, I'm just saying, that's a, it's a potential option. Prayer is a big deal in the young female's life. Want to pray together. Or, there's another corny one. Hey, do you want to come over? My parents are home. That's what they're going to <laughs> anyway, <coughs> this, isn't a, this isn't a premarital counseling session. This is just a <laughs> yeah, right. All right, and this veil, okay, go to the next verse, verse 15. It says, yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, what's covered their hearts are covered with the veil. Now, you see so many times in Scripture, hearts that turn away from God, hearts that turn to God. There is not an in-between. People are either turning towards God or people are turning away from God. Believers are in the same place. Believers are turning their hearts toward God or believers are turning their heart away from God. Can you see this? There is not, there's nothing else. People are experiencing problems. Why is that? They're turning their heart away. If I want to get into the light, I need to turn my heart toward Him. Okay? Okay, and they do not understand. Verse, next verse. Uh, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Isn't that good news? No matter where you are in your situation, no matter how dark it may be, the moment you turn away from darkness, what are you turning into? Light. Right? But in darkness, if things... It's, let me just keep this real simple. If it's looking dark where you're heading, don't go there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much clearer that it can be. If it looks dark that way... It's stupid to continue to walk that way and figure out, God, where are you? It just gets darker and darker. So what is he telling us? Whenever someone turns to the Lord, what happens? The veil is lifted. Oh, now I can see light. And in light, the Bible says, we see more light. Right? Proverbs 4 says this continually. He says the pathway of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. But guess what? You have to choose that brightness. You have to choose light. You have to choose God in His ways. As long as you keep getting offended by hearing money or hearing health or healing what God wants to do in your life, as long as you keep getting offended by that, you're going to keep staying here. And as you keep going down this road, you keep going down this road, and you can you just get so mad at God, get so mad at people, hate the church, and this is just what they do thereafter. They, they want this, they want it. And all you're doing is you're going further and further down. Meanwhile, all we got to do is just say, can you just turn? Just turn. And this honestly is the hardest thing that I found about pastoring is you know where people should be looking, but they choose to look this way. So it's like, no, no, just, just look, just look. Yeah, but look at what's going on over here. Look at what that person did. Look what the devil's doing over here. Look what so-and-so said to me. Yeah, I know, but look, look over here. Yeah, but so-and-so did this, and I'm thinking this, and the crepes were gone, and you just can lose it. And you just keep looking this way. It's a sad place. Psalm 23, 5, it actually says, what does the Lord do? He prepares a table before me, in front of me, where in the presence of my enemies. Yes, the devil's around. Yes, the devil's doing bad things, but not in comparison to what God has already done in Jesus. There's a whole table full of healing food, and meanwhile, you're so stuck looking at darkness, so stuck looking at, and this is what the Lord's been getting into me now. I'll just jump it in here. I had been focusing on things that I don't know, can't do. What was the third one? Focus on what I don't know, what I don't have, and what I can't do. Because I've been spending so much time focusing on, you know, you, you kind of see other ministries, you see other churches, you see other pastors. And I, I, a lot of times I really like to study communication techniques and how this person interacts with the crowd. And I can't do that. I don't have that. And so what I'm starting to focus on is what I don't know, what I don't have, what I can't do. Guess which way I'm looking? I'm looking that way. And the more that I'm looking into it, oh man, how come I can't do it? What's going on? I am heading down this dark path day after day. And there's just one point I'm just like, I'm miserable. I hate this. I, I can't be like this. How come I'm not seeing this happen in my life? How come, you know, so-and-so is a better communicator than I am? They, they can do that way better than I ever could. I am focusing here. And so in my white chair, the Lord corrected me and saying, you need to change that quick. 
just on the inside. I didn't hear an audible voice, but on the inside, you need to change your focus quick. And what did he say? So in other words, I needed to flip the flow. I needed to do this. I needed to focus on what I do know, focus on what I do have, and focus on what I can do. So even, and this is even goes into, I want to know more about God, but it's so limited. Even if you just start off knowing this, I know that I'm born again. Starting the, the moment you even just say that I'm foc- I focus again, focus on what I know. I know that I'm born again. You are pointed in the right direction. Oh, I don't know enough about healing. I don't know about enough about the blessing. I just don't know anything. Guess what? You'll never know more about it. You can cry, beg all you want, and then when you go to the Word to get more light from the Word, it'll be dark to you. It'll just be more pages. It'll be like, okay, well, I, I'm, how come I'm not seeing this? How come I'm, I'm not getting it like this person has it? Because you're focusing on what you don't know instead of focusing on what you do know, which may very well be, I know that I'm supposed to tithe. That right there could just give you more insight and more light. Even if it feels like it's this small, stay focused that way because revelation knowledge is the result of light. Light. Anybody want revelation knowledge? That's what I want. Guess where it comes? Looking and being and focusing on light. So if where I'm looking right now is dark, I need to focus this way. Right? You got to focus this way. This is what I do have. This is what I do have. Say it with me. This is what I do have. At least I got a house. Oh, but it's not this big. Enjoy looking that way then. Have fun going down that hole. I'm going to flip that flow. Oh, thank God I got a cover for my bed. Start there. Right? You got to start somewhere. And it's a good place to be. Because again, we'll just continue on. It says, um, whenever the veil is, for the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When I'm looking this way, sometimes people are just looking for a utopia feeling. Oh, when the Holy Spirit's coming, there is freedom. And so we try to jack ourselves up and got to sing a little louder. I'm going to run a little faster. You're trying to hype the thing up. Meanwhile, he's saying, focus. Focus. Oh, but how come Mac can sing better than me? I have a heart to worship. Why can't I sing like that? And what are you doing? You're looking here instead of what you do have. I can sing in the privacy of my own home and I sound great. Everybody can sing, but not everybody should record. Uh. Right? I, can, I dance. Hey, I dance a lot. Ah, oh, man, I, got, I don't got moves. Like, you know, sometimes you see Nana up here. She's got her moves and she's got her swag on. And it's like, man, looking good. And, all. and I'm like, I can't do all that, but what can I do? I can do the white man dance. That's what I can do. Right? <laughs> oh, man. And let me show you the very last verse on this because this ties in where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. There is liberty. So it's not a song that you sing. It's a focus of where you're looking. Because look here. So all of us who have had that veil removed, notice what we can do now? We can see and reflect. Say it with me. See and reflect. You and I, this is how we live our life. What we are seeing, let me just give you this real quickly. I wrote down some really good stuff here. Um, uh, Where is that? That was so good, Joel. Yes, does it matter what we look at? Yes. What we see and look at is the image that gets in us. And then holding on to that image will work itself outwardly. So what, what the, the apostle is saying here, so all of us who have had the veil removed can now see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. How am I going to be changed more into the likeness of Christ? It's by me focusing in the right direction. As long as I focus on, well, I, I, can't, do what, I can't do what He's How come He seems to have be more results than I do? You're looking down the wrong way. And you cannot be changed into the image of Christ. We all quote this verse, but what does it mean? It's an intentional looking at, this is what I do know. This is what I do have. This is what I can do. I can do this. Right? I can do this. I can be friendly. I cannot murmur and complain. I can do that. Right? And this is where it all begins. 
Because for you and I, this is, as we go forward, this is vital. If order, we want to see the light that God gives us, this is vital for us as believers, is looking and focusing the right way. Now, what I want to just take a few minutes just to, I'm, I'm done. Time out. Uh, now what I want to do is I, again, want to just take a little bit of time. We, we did this last week just to pray together as a church family. And I want to just preface a few things again. Uh, last night we did it with our Saturday night crowd. Two ladies got filled with the Holy Spirit last night. Whoop, whoop. Uh, last week, Sunday, four people got filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is, this is what we're just going to focus on for a moment here. Because part of this partnership with God and what, what, I, what, what has just been stirring in my heart is uh, there's, there's some changes that have been already happening and that are, there's changes that are taking place. And so a lot of times, kind of the natural temptation, the natural thought could be, well, how is that going to affect me? How is that going to look like for my family? How is that going to look for my scheduling and things like that? And I, I get that. There's a natural side to it. But what I've been finding and realizing just in our time with prayer, just personally and with our team and on Thursday afternoons here as a church, just really some things have been coming up in my heart that praying in tongues really pulls you up to the highest thought possible. And a lot of times where people are getting, you know, this is something Pastor Sheila said at prayer that really just hit me so good, was that a lot of times people get stuck in the process of change, not the change itself. Do I need to say that again? That was so good that a lot of times people get stuck. Where do people get stuck? Not in the change itself, but in the process leading towards the change. So don't get stuck in the process, right? There's a process for change always that always takes place, right? Even right now, we're about to have our fourth baby. And we're, like if I put Jamie on that, you know, that sub over there, that, it could come out. We're, we're nearing the end days of the three of us, three kids. So what are we doing? We're in the process of making changes to make room for this baby to come in because what's the higher thought? I have four kids. Rather, I can look at, oh man, we have another one. <laughs> Seriously, I saw this this one comedian did a thing on. So uh, what's it like having four babies? He said, let me explain it to you. So imagine you have three kids and you're drowning and then someone passes you a baby. That's what it feels like. Oh, praise God. That started getting me down this road. So I said, no, like, Lord, I'm thankful. I have four children. Are you kidding me? Four lives that I can mend for the kingdom. Are, are you kidding? And just flipping the flow and looking at it this way. But what we're doing is we're making the proper accommodations and the changes, and I'm happy to do it. It's exciting. Well, the same way that, you know, if you could look at it naturally, I don't know if I really like that. But if you start looking from the highest thought possible, what's the highest thought? Well, the Lord told us this two years ago. Make plenty of elbow room for your growing family. Why? Because there is people that need to come and hear the message of the Lord, not just to get born again, that's a big part of it, but to get filled with the Spirit, to find out who they are in Christ, who Christ is in them, and operate in the gifting that God put in every single one of us. This is not a one-man show. This is a collective body that we're able to impact generations for Jesus. I have a part, but so do you. My part isn't any better than anybody else's. The Lord just put me in this position to pray through something. All it really means is I got responsibility. <laughs> and I wish it was great. So I, I get responsibility. So you got to do that. Like, huh? Ha. Huh, there's light there. So what we're wanting to do is just take a little bit of time to spend some time in prayer. And I want to just show you a couple of verses here. For those of you maybe are, are guests or are visiting, we had some visitors last night. They got filled with the Holy Spirit, which is awesome. But I want you to see this just from the Word. First of all, Ephesians chapter 1. This is the heart of the Apostle Paul praying for the church. Again, the motivation here, we are not here to build a big church. We are here to build big people. That's what everything that we're doing, that we're making the changes for, is to build big people. And if God wants to build this thing, so be it. But my focus and motivation is not to build a big church so that impact can be some kind of name out there. That is not the focus. So I want you to see this. This is Paul. Oh, can you guys do the Passion Bible? I have that. That would be really great because I was reading it from there. <clears throat> if not, does everybody got their phones? I want you to turn with me just for a sec in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, and then verse uh, 17 in the Passion Bible. Okay. So there, maybe they'll find it up there in a sec. But here it starts off. Paul is praying, I pray 
Oh, we got to thank you guys so much. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. Now, what is revelation? It's knowledge that becomes revealed to you. Right? It's not head knowledge. You can't figure this out in your brain. We cannot figure out what God wants to do with where we're at together as a church family, what He wants to do in this Riverside Meadows. It's not in my brain. Right? It's not in your brain. We could come up with ideas for it, but it becomes revealed knowledge. Can you guys uh, go back one verse? Would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know Him through your deepening intimacy with Him. Verse 18. It says, I pray that the light, let me say light, not the light of God, will continue or will illuminate the eyes of your imagination or the eyes of your heart, flooding you with, come on, say it again, with what? Light, more light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling, His planned intention for you and I. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that He finds in us, His holy ones. Click. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power. Click. That was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. This is what God's plan is, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of us. We don't need more power. We need revelation. No, we need to see it for what He already did. Okay, so this is God's will, that you see the highest thought. You see the heart of Jesus. You see the biggest thought that you possibly can. Rather than thinking of all the natural things, where are people going to park? How are we going to accommodate all that? Don't worry about that. All that will be taken care of when we start focusing on the higher picture. Right, how, what about my family? You know what? All of your family is taken care of. When you get the highest purpose and the highest thought for God, everything around that, this is something that the Lord told us a while ago in a meeting. He told us, Jamie specifically, if you take care of the things that matter to me, I'll take care of the things that matter to you. And that is absolute true. We can see that even with our children. When we were, you know, when we were struggling having kids, kids in our, it took us a couple years to get that sorted. And there was nothing naturally from a natural perspective, anything wrong. So we committed to the Lord that I, we refuse to worry about this again. Lord, we are going to focus on building what you're interested in doing. We became a partner with God. Partnership. And in becoming partners with Him, He always outdoes His partnership side of things. But in doing so, He took care of the very desires that were in our heart. Why? I started focusing on these rather than focusing on what I don't have. I don't have kids yet. My wife's not pregnant. I started focusing this way. Lord... I want to thank you that you've called me in this city. You've called me to build your church. You've called me and anointed me to do a task. I focusing on this, he took care of all the things that were I was angry and dark because I was focusing on something else. And tongues is vital for you and I as a believer. Can I show you this? I'm going to give you three more verses. Are we still doing okay? Okay, look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 in the Passion Bible. It says, when someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says. Right? <laughs> Can I give you just a fun little story again? I've shared this before, but this just happened again on Friday night. You know, we, a lot of times, you know, when I put the boys to bed, we pray in tongues together. And uh, so Max started out, and so they usually kind of start out the same way, with one word. Shoko, shoko, shika, shoko, shoko, shika, shoko, shoko, shika, shoko, shoko. Max started doing that, and all of a sudden, halfway through, he started going peanut butter sandwich, peanut butter sandwich, peanut butter sandwich, peanut butter sandwich, peanut butter sandwich. I'm like, Max, what else? And then he started apple juice, apple juice, apple juice, apple juice. And I'm like, boy, you just interpreted the tongue. <laughs> That's awesome. You hungry? You thirsty? Is that what's going on? Is that, is that what you're interpreting? But just to show you how, how simple it is, because when someone speaks in tongues, no one understands unless you're saying peanut butter sandwich or apple juice. I, I get that. But when you're praying in tongues, nobody is supposed to understand you. Right? It may sound crazy. Why? Well, here's the thing. Because he's not speaking to people. When I pray in tongues, I'm not talking to you. Who am I talking to? He is speaking, notice this, but he's speaking to God. Now notice the next part of it. He is speaking intimate mysteries in the Spirit. 
what are we, what we as a church are entering into right now with these new properties, did you know something? It's not because of how well that the Lord showed me a picture and I saw it. Do you know what it is? It's the prayers that have come from years back that now we are just walking into today because it had already been prayed out. And so those lands were already available for us from before God held them until this time. So I can't take any credit for anything. Oh, I just, I listened to God so good. I don't see it that way at all. I look back and I go, thank you so much. Prayers that have been here for years that have took time to pray the plan out, prayed out the mysteries in the spirit that we're now walking into. Praying in tongues is kind of like laying your own personal sidewalk in front of you. So that as, you, as you're going through this life, all of a sudden you'll be like, oh, this just came to me. And oh, oh I just, I found my spouse. And oh, this just happened to me. And nothing just happens. You've prayed it out. But if you don't take time praying in the spirit, these intimate mysteries, there's no sidewalk for your feet to walk on. That's why you got a lot of Christians going, what am I supposed to do in life? I don't know what I'm called to do. Where am I supposed to go? Am I supposed to go here? Am I supposed to go there? Take time praying it in the spirit because it is an intimate mystery that God already knows and he wants you to know it too. Now notice the next part, verse four. It says, but when someone, uh, next verse, the one who speaks in tongues, what does he do? He advances his own spiritual progress. This is how you advance yourself. Right other translations talking about getting pumped up. You go to Jude chapter one, verse 20. Look at this in the Amplified. It says, but you beloved, build yourselves up. Everybody say, pump it up. How do you pump yourself up spiritually? And I'm not talking about chugging a Red Bull or four, right? You're just sucking those suckers back. That's not what it is. How do you build yourselves up on your most holy faith? You pray in the Holy Spirit. So in other words, this is what he's saying. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Look at this. Continually progress. Anybody want to continually progress? Yeah. Guess how you do that? Praying in other tongues. The devil has fought tongues more than anything else in the body of Christ. People have thoughts about it over here. People have thoughts about it over here. When you just go to the Bible and what it says, it's not some weird thing. People like today, people are looking for the supernatural. They want to experience the supernatural. Do you know what one of the most supernatural things that you can do is? Sitting in your chair and praying in other tongues. But you know what? Our flesh doesn't like it because I'm not seeing any magnificent things happen. No, because it's not an external thing. When God works, He works from the inside out. Most of the insight that I've ever gotten from the Word of God, guess where it came? Prayer. As you spend time praying in other tongues, you're continually progressing. You are rising yourself, building yourself up like an edifice. And before you know it, you are at this level and now you see from a different perspective. People that think so low... Can I just be real honest with you? Not anybody here, but in other places on live stream and stuff. People that have such low level thinking, you know what it is? No prayer. No praying in other tongues. Guess what? You think so small and you are limiting an unlimited God. Even in your own personal life. Well, God's just not seeing this in my life. This is one phrase that the Lord said to me. This was a few years back when I finally got turned on to God. When I would run into a situation, I would hear the Lord say, hit it in tongues. Okay, I don't know what I'm going to do with my kids. Hit it in tongues. Because the answer is not here. What is speaking in tongues? It is God's head bypass operation. He's trying to get Christians out of their heads. Well, I believe God only to this degree. That, that's not what he... No, get that thing out sometimes. So he said, I want spirit to spirit connection. So that when, I, when you pray in other tongues, it's perfect. And you actually see that in Romans chapter 8. I don't have that on the screen. But it says that we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself, He takes our prayers and He brings them to God, a perfect prayer. And then the Bible says, this is the scripture that is misquoted all the time, we know all things work together for good of those who love God and called according to His purpose. You can't use that prayer if you're not praying in tongues. Oh, well, I don't, I don't believe in tongues. Well, then you actually can't even quote that line of all things work together are good to those who love God because that is in context of somebody taking the time praying in other tongues. That's where it is. So all of a sudden people are, how come I'm not seeing this happen in my life? Tongues is the, is the, is the key to it. Are we okay with that? So what we want to do, what we did last week and what I want to do again this week is something called corporate prayer. 
And what corporate prayer is, is you taking your supply that's inside of you, right? You don't have to try to muster it. It's already in you. And it's you just expressing it and bringing it before God. Because when we, as these changes are coming, something that from just from Jamie and I and from our team, we need help. I know this from the bottom of my heart. Every time I go to prayer on this, I, I can't do this. It's, it's bigger than me, what God wants to do. And so I'm asking you, can you help us with that? Thank you for the three amens. All right, then. The rest of you will figure it out. But before we, we, we start praying, I just want to take a second. Is there anybody here that has never been filled with the Holy Spirit and would like to do so? You don't have to be shy. Anybody here? Who is filled with the Holy Spirit? Excellent. Well, as Marcella said, we're so glad you chose to join us today. We just want to let you know the altars are going to be open. If you've got questions at all on the Holy Spirit or just on who God is, we want you to come on up. Or if you want someone to agree with you in prayer.